Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, Believers Church, this is Super Bowl weekend and we are excited about it. As a matter of fact, I was so excited about it, I came up here to Canton to the Football Hall of Fame. I wanted to do my first segment up here. And before we go any further, I want to welcome all of our guests. I want to welcome everyone at TCI Correctional Facility, our Borman campus, its guests, and our Warren campus, the guests that are in Warren. And I am excited to be here. I'm in this really cool place. It's called the Hall of Fame Gallery. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. Um, The NFL turns 100 this year and football began here in Canton, so that's why the Hall of Fame is here. And over those 100 years, 25,000 football players and coaches have been involved in the NFL. And out of that 25,000, only 326 have made it to the Hall of Fame. And here's their bust. I'm standing in the midst of these great, great men who played the game. And think about it, 326, that's only 1.3% that made it here. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, man, I wish I could interview them. I wish I could sit down and I wish I could ask them, hey, what did you do to make it in to the Hall of Fame? because they're all genetic freaks. So they all have that in common, but what did you do? And I think if I could ask them, they'd say things like this. Well, first of all, I wasn't a perfect human being. You know what? I think if we interviewed every pastor on the planet, that's one of the first things we say, we're not a perfect human being. But then I think they'd say things like this. You know what? I gave it 100%. I spent more time in the weight room than other guys. I spent more time watching film than other guys. I spent more time running my routes than anybody else, whatever position they were in. And I think we'd hear them say, I lived to make it here and I gave it my all so I could make it to this place. And you know, today's all about us pulling spiritual truths out of football, out of commercials. And I'm looking here and I'm thinking about some spiritual truths that we're seeing here. And I'm thinking about you and I, and I wanna ask all of us a question. And here's the question I wanna ask. How would you live if you knew your life would be on display for all of eternity? How would you live your life? Because I think we would all live it different. And I think of the very famous Roman general, Maximus Decimus Meridius, he said this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And as Christians, it's really important for us to understand there's in heaven a hall of faith, and we see a portion of it written in our Bibles, and all of us want to live our life so that we are in that hall of faith, and we're living our life like it's going to be on display for all of eternity. You know, we have a saying here on the earth, it's YOLO, uh, you know, and I, I love this saying, it means you only live once. And I like that. For Christians, I think when we look at it, uh, I think we understand that it's referring to the fact that we only live once, let's live 100% for God. But in the world, they kind of look at it this way, you only live once, so party hardy, have as much fun as you can. And so I'd like to change YOLO to YOLT, which means you only live twice, because I really believe we should live our life like it will be on display for all of eternity. And I wanna read a portion of scripture to you. It's pretty cool. It's out of what's called the Hall of Faith, and all of us are going to be part of this. And listen to Hebrews 11:32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. And we're just reading a small portion, but as I read this, I just began to think a little bit about it. You know, Gideon was a wimpy, sissy guy. He was afraid of his own shadow, but then he, he just pulled, he pulled a word from God and put faith in that word, and he turned into a warrior. And, and then I think of Samson, he was a womanizer, but he pulled a word from God, and he became a great man of God. And I think of David, David murdered a man because he got that man's wife pregnant. But you know what, he repented and he believed God and he did amazing things for God. And then I think of Samuel the prophet. 
You know, Samuel did a terrible job raising his boys. His two boys were so bad that after Samuel died, he put them in his place that Israel rejected his sons. And I think about their imperfections, but then I think about the fact that they trusted God, they put faith in God, and they did amazing things. Listen to some of what they did, Hebrews 11:33. who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lines. These are some really big things, but you know what God expects from you and I, what he wants us to do by faith? Just read the scriptures, believe them, and by faith begin to live them. And you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna find ourselves in this beautiful place called the Hall of Faith, and we're going to have our lives live for all of eternity. And I wanna show you the very next verse. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, and it's concluding what we just read out of Hebrews 11. And listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, everybody in chapter 11, we just read a few names, they're called a great cloud of witnesses. I heard one preacher say that they're looking over the banister of heaven. And my mom and dad, they, uh, it's been about three years since they went to heaven. And it's cool to think, you know, they're up there in the hall of faith and they lived their life. They gave it all they had. They weren't preachers, but they lived and gave it all they had. And they're watching me. They're watching my siblings. They're watching us. And your loved ones are watching you. And it's so cool to think we can live our lives as if we're going to be on display for all of eternity because we will. Listen to this. It goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The things that hinders are the things of this world that we put too much time in. The sin that hinders is that one or two sins that we struggle with the most. And he says, cast them off. Why? Guys, listen, listen. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God's given us all something to do for his kingdom. And he's saying, throw off anything that will hinder and live your life like it's gonna be on display for all of eternity. Again, I'm so excited about this day. Listen, I wanna tell you what's gonna happen next. In both campuses, uh, you're going to see a commercial. Then we have these incredible speakers coming up and a speaker will come up for each commercial and they are going to pull a spiritual truth out of that commercial. And so after you see the commercial, let the speaker at your campus know you are excited that they're there and that they're going to feed you spiritually. Guys, I'm looking forward to the rest of this day. I'm a close talker, so I was excited about all new Colgate Total. Its breakthrough formula does more. Wonderful. Sensitivity strengthens teeth. It kills germs through my whole mouth. I like your confidence. Thanks, Mr. Lee. Now there's no such thing as too close. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Yes, there is. No, there's not. Okay. All new Colgate Total. Do more for your whole mouth. Hey. Well, hey, this is so fun, I love it. I think we can all relate to this commercial, right? Because I think we all know at least one close talker. You know, the one they, they come in hot and heavy, like quite literally their hot breath hits you like a ton of bricks. And you know exactly what they had for lunch that day, which they all eat the same thing, which it's tuna with maybe some onion in it, a little parsley and like a whole jar of garlic. <laughs> I mean, so you can literally like read their breath like you read a book because... It's a straight up tearjerker, <laughs> you know, but you find yourself inching across the room, backing up real slowly. And this type of close talker, they don't catch the hint. Like you might start on this side of the lobby and you're going to end up all the way over here and they won't even know that they moved. <laughs> but, you know, there are the, also the, the close talkers that have really good intentions and they have good breath and they have a good heart and they just want to be close to you. And, you know, that's just who they are, and maybe they've just slightly overestimated your relationship with them. Maybe they think that you guys are pretty close and that they can enter that space, and you know, their hearts are pretty pure in it. It's actually kind of funny because my friends reminded me last night after I shared 
this message that I'm kind of a close talker with my friends um, and maybe people that I would like to be my friends kind of thing. I, I kind of just get in there and actually it's kind of cool because there's a lot of research about personality types nowadays. We all know this, but my personality type, I was looking this up and it actually was saying that it's the most likely type to be a close talker. I'm like, oh man, that's kind of, <laughs> all right, at least I recognize it and I can see it. But in a good way, the reason is because I actually really value being close to people and I want people to know that I care about them. So what I do, they told me, is I, there might be a circle of friends anywhere. And if I see this circle, I automatically just run up and I bust into the circle. And I'm like, hey guys, like, and they, they make fun of me because I move my head around a lot and I just kind of use my whole body. I might hug every single person in the circle and I definitely make eye contact with every single person in the circle. I'm like, hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? It's this whole thing. And you know, it's, it's honestly just my way of like letting everybody know I see you and I care about you. And I want you to know that I want to be close to you kind of thing. And so, you know, it's really interesting how nonverbal communication works. It's actually said that 7% of communication is, on, is verbal and the rest, the 93%, is actually nonverbal, which is like a huge percentage. And so in case you don't know what nonverbal communication is, I'm sure you do. You might have given someone a gesture on the way here this morning. I don't even <laughs> No, I hope not. None of you better have done that. Um, but it's, it's just how you use your body to communicate things, your facial expressions, um, even your distance from somebody. It all says something, and we're gathering information whether we realize it or not. And so there's actually a study within this whole umbrella of nonverbal communications uh, spectrum. It's called proxemics. And this is the study of how the distance between two people and like maybe the lack thereof actually communicates something and what it says about how you feel about that person. So your personal bubble is actually a very real thing in case you didn't know that, which I actually didn't fully know that until I researched this. So I brought a picture with me. This is our bubble. And in our bubble, we have four different spaces. And the first space we have is the public space. The public space is from about 12 foot to 25 foot. And this could be for a public speaker, someone who, you know, maybe just in public in general, you see, you like know that they're there, you're kind of paying attention to them, but you are not engaging. You're not having a conversation with them. Maybe you don't really know them at all, but you know, you see them, they're there. Then the next space is our social space. And this space is for acquaintances. And it's from about four feet to 12 feet. And this is like, hey, I've met you. I know your name. I know a little bit about you. Maybe we've hung out once or twice kind of thing. And then the next zone we see is the personal space zone. And this is from one and a half feet to about four feet out. And this is for our close friends, the people that, you know, we hang out with all the time. We really enjoy. We know quite a bit about these people and we just consider them good friends. We really like these people. And then our next space is the intimate space. And this space is for our children. My children are up here on the front row, by the way. They're so cute. Let's give them a hand. I love them. <laughs> but you know, the intimate space, it's, it's for your kids. It's for your, um, maybe your spouse, maybe, uh, your parents, your best friend, you know, definitely though that, that special someone in your life. It's, it's a very important space. Um, this last summer, we had our church staff picnic, which we have every year, and we always pick a park of some sort. Um, it's always at a different park. I, I don't know why we necessarily do that, but we do. Um, this year, we decided to go to a park in Youngstown, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was this really awesome park, and normally at our, our church staff picnic, it's like during a work day, and there's like nobody else ever around, and we kind of just have the whole place to ourselves, and we get to just hang out with each other and really get to know each other. Well, this park um, was hopping, to say the least. Like, it was busy. It was a popular 
park. I mean, I understood because there was like a little spray ground and it was like, it was really cool. It was a cool park. Um, at one point, actually, a whole bus unloaded of like just daycare kids, like just literally like 50 kids running around right next to the pavilion. I'm talking like, here's the park, here's the pavilion. Like it was a close, <laughs> a close thing happening. And then there was also, there were all these other people that kept coming in and um, a couple of the people that, that ended up being at the park that day were a couple of drifters. If you know what a drifter is, they literally just go around. They don't necessarily have a place that they call home and they literally just travel around the country. And this is what this couple was doing. They were modern-day hippies, if you will, or modern-day gypsies. I don't, I don't really know how that works. But they were awesome people. They had dreadlocks. And, like, in another life, I would have been a hippie. I wanted some dreadlocks. He talked me out of it, which, whatever, you know, maybe one day. Who knows? <laughs> um, but they were so cool. Um, they didn't have any technology, so they had no clue where they were going, and they didn't even have any maps. So the whole reason they stopped was to get some directions, which I thought was really funny. They were looking for the highway, which it was, like, so far away from where we were. It was a funny, like, uh, group of people. But there were these also these other two people. I guess I should say three. There was a man and a woman and a baby. And right by our pavilion, there was a swing, and they were pushing their baby on the swing, and, you know, next thing I know, they're sitting there pushing their baby. They're not stopping pushing their baby. And they just start making out, like, intensely. Like, they're still pushing their baby, just making out. They're about to make a baby while pushing a baby. Okay, guys? Like, it was intense. And it was, like, one of those moments where you're like, oh, my God, this is so awkward right now. And I should look away but you don't want to look away. Like, it's like, what is happening? You just got to see it. So I'm like trying to hide my head behind somebody else's head and like look like I'm not looking, but I'm like totally like looking, you know, because you want to see everything that's happening. And I think that this is what happens in that intimate space, right? Like it's a very, you know, few select people they get to be in that intimate space. And sometimes you're just so full of passion that you have to share it with the world. So I think some of us could probably understand why, an uninvited close talker, someone who's maybe not our friend, maybe someone who we don't really know, when they get all up personal in our grill, you know, we don't really like it all that much. So unlike what the guy said in the commercial, yeah, we like his confidence, right? Let's admire the confidence that they have, but there is such thing as too close with people. But good news is that with God, there's actually no such thing as too close, and this is just simply because God has invited us into his space. He wants us to be close to him. If he didn't want us to be close to him, then yeah, there would be such thing as too close. But with God, there's no such thing as too close. So if we took these principles that we just talked about with proxemics and we applied them to our relationship with God, I think it would look a little bit like this. We have our public zone with God, and that is, God, I see you. I acknowledge that you're there, but... We're not going to have a conversation. We're not going to know each other. Um, you know, I'm not going to engage with you. And then the next zone that we have is our social. That would be like, God, I've met you. I know you a little bit. Um, you know, I hang out with you a couple times a year. Maybe at Christmas and Easter. <laughs> or maybe like a big event here and there kind of thing. Then our next zone would be the personal zone. And I think that this would be I've got a personal relationship with Jesus, and maybe you come to church every week, maybe you even volunteer, and maybe if you're feeling really, you know, risky, you might even raise your hands in worship, maybe, possibly, if Waymaker's playing, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, this is, this is that zone where it's like, we good, but I'm not going home necessarily in talking to God all week, and, you know, I'm not really cultivating that relationship, but I would say we're good friends. So then the next zone, of course, is the intimate, and this is, I believe, where true discipleship happens, and I think that this is the zone where people get a little crazy, 
you know, like people making out, pushing a baby. Like you get a little crazy sometimes and, you know, you're just all about God and you just live and breathe for God and you just want to know him more. You want to spend time with him. You want to worship him. You want to read your Bible. And it's not just at church. It's at home too. And it's just in all those ways you're, you're thinking about God and you just want to spend time with God. If we were to take an honest inventory in this room, I think that we would have people in every single category. But this is what I know. God wants all of us to be close to him. He wants all of us to be in the intimate zone with him. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 2, 4, God wants everyone to be saved and to know the whole truth. It's not just for a select few. It's not for just the priest and the pastor and, you know, the the volunteers. It's for everyone. God wants everyone to be passionately in love with him. You know, this was actually the whole plan from day one. Like we saw with Adam and Eve in the garden that, you know, God walked with them. He talked with them. He had fellowship with them. And there was nothing separating them from God. And Unfortunately, sin eventually entered the world, and of course, with sin came shame, and we know that shame was the very thing that caused Adam and Eve to actually hide away from God, and I love that God is just so gracious, and you know, he, he knew right where Adam and Eve were, but he still called out to them, and he still gave them that opportunity to come to him. You know, he wasn't an invasive close talker as some are. He didn't get all up in their grill like, I know where you are and I'm coming to get you. Like he was like, hey, I'm here. If you would like to come to me, please do. You know, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. That's what he's doing for all of us. He's not gonna just barge his way right in, but God wants us to get close to him. And so that's what he did with Adam and Eve. And you know, the cool thing about all of this is that when they actually came to him, At this point, they had made themselves coverings. They made themselves some fig leaves, (laughs) coverings to cover things. And I don't know how good that was. It sounds pretty horrible. So God's graciousness, he actually made them clothing, like good clothing when they came to him. And, you know, I think this is just such a cool picture because this is exactly what God wants to do for all of us. He wants to actually cover our shame. And he did that with the blood of Jesus, ultimately. He sent Jesus, his son, to die for us. He was a perfect sacrifice. And the Bible says that his blood actually covers our sin and our shame, and we can boldly enter the throne room of grace. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Guys, God wants us to come to him instead of run from him. So this morning, I just want you to remember this, that with God, there's no such thing as too close. All right, check out this next commercial. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. (laughs) Jeff, eat a Snickers, please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so we can all coexist in here. Turn into a diva. Mm -hmm. Put it in your system, cranky pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Hey, can we give it up one more time for Aaron? That was awesome. I love this commercial because it is so true. You are not you when you're hungry. Now, if you don't know me real well, one thing that you need to know about me, it's kind of evident at taking a look at me, I am very, very Italian. I'm 100%, in fact, Italian on both sides of my family. As a matter of fact, my mom and my dad, both of their families are from the same region in Italy, Reggio Calabria. We're Calabrese, crazy Calabrese. Do I have any other Italians in the house? We knew you were here because you were loud enough for everybody to hear you and see you, and you were moving your hands a lot, and we love you. You're a part of, like 90% of our band is Italian. And one of the things that you got to know about Italians is that Italians never miss a meal. As a matter of fact, I used to grow up with with people and they were my friends and I'd go over their house and I was always hungry. I I was always looking for my next meal. And while I was eating breakfast, I have vivid memories as a five and six year old thinking about what I was gonna eat for lunch and for dinner. And I wish that was a lie, but it's not. And I still think that way sometimes. Can you pray for me? This is a real problem at times. And uh, when, when I would be there, sometimes I would have to remind my friends, like, hey, do you guys ever, do you eat dinner around here? Like, they, they're the kind of people 
people that just forget to eat? Anybody know somebody like that? I have never forgotten a meal once. I've remembered some extra meals, but I have never forgotten a meal in my life. And so because of that, because of the part that food plays in my life, um, at times, I can think that my problem is that I'm in a bad mood or that I'm having like a little, a little scuffle, a little skirmish with my wife, just like a little disagreement. And, and what I've recognized in my life and in hers is that sometimes the problem isn't the problem. Sometimes there's a problem beneath the problem, and it is this, that I am hangry. Has anybody ever been hangry in here? And so we'll be having a discussion, and I'll just ask her, hey, did you, did you eat anything recently? And she'll do the same thing with me, and then we're like, no, I haven't. Because you're not you when you're hungry. And so for just a few minutes, the few minutes I have with you today, I just want to talk to you about this guy who didn't know what to do with his hunger. He had a hunger problem. His name was Esau. And Esau, you, you can find his story in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Esau was a twin. Now, he was a twin by birth, and his brother's name was Jacob, but there was nothing about him and Jacob that was similar, nothing that was alike. As a matter of fact, the Bible, on several occasions in the story, tells us that Esau was very hairy. For whatever the reason, it wanted us to know he was hairy, which tells me he was Italian. Anyways, okay. And so, so Esau, he was a hunter. He was a man's man. He knew what to do when he popped open the hood of the, the car. You know, like every guy has that look like, you know, you look at it like, yeah, I think I, I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing, but I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Esau actually knew what he was doing. He would go hunting for wild game. He, he was just the manliest man you can imagine. Now, his brother, on the other hand, couldn't have been more different. He was a hunter, but he hunted for deals on Amazon. Come on, somebody. Like, can, we, can I get an amen in God's house? He's, you know, Jacob loved Pinterest. When he went into Starbucks, they knew his name. Uh, they, they would give him his special without even asking. He was a no-whip. He was a frappuccino kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? This was, this was Jacob, and Jacob was a cook. And so this sets us up for our story. Genesis 25, 29. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness. Look at these two words, exhausted and hungry. I want you to think about any moment in your life where you went somewhere you never thought you would go, did something you never thought you would do, compromised in some way, and I bet these two things were present, exhaustion and hunger. And maybe, maybe it wasn't a physical hunger, but maybe it was because you were walking around empty of the right things and you were tempted to settle for the wrong ones. Sometimes it just, it kind of reminds me of when I go to the grocery store. Have you ever gone shopping and you were hungry at the same time? Not a good plan. This week, this week, I'm not proud of this, but I, I did an entire grocery trip to Dollar General. This was a real low point in my life, like just <laughs> getting all kinds of junk food, nothing I needed. Why? Because I was so starved for the right things that I was tempted to fill up on anything. And this is exactly where Esau finds himself. So he said to Jacob, hear the desperation in his voice. He says, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Let's continue in the story. It's verse 31. So Jacob replied. Remember, Jacob is kind of a shifty character. As a matter of fact, Jacob, the name literally translated means heel grabber. And do you know why they named him that? Because Esau was born first. And just a few seconds later, Jacob came out literally riding his heels. He was holding on to his heels. And so his entire life, he was called heel grabber. And there were several different documented moments in their relationship where Jacob was trying to cheat Esau out of something that rightfully belonged to him. And so this is where we pick up. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. And, and so he says, look, this is funny. Hear the diva. You're not you when you're hungry. Look, I'm about to die. Now time out. Really? Like really? Really? Were you about to die? No. But lest we judge him, have, have maybe we said a statement similar to that like this week? Like, like students, have, have you maybe, maybe even husbands, have you maybe said this this week? If I don't get the new iPhone 16, I'm going to die. If I don't have, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. If I don't get to drive this car, if I don't get to live in this house, I'm going to die. And here's the lie. The lie that the enemy sells us is that you cannot live without it. I cannot live without this person. I cannot live without this pill. I cannot live without this addiction. I cannot live with, without fill in the blank. And, and here's the thing. God gives every one of us appetites. He actually gives us appetites. So here's what you need to see. When an appetite is submitted to God and surrendered to God, it's a healthy thing. Like food in the right proportions is a good thing. Too much of that appetite, when I feed it too much, it can actually bring destruction 
into my life. It has everything to do with how I see it. Relationships are a good thing within the right parameters, within the right confines of how God created relationships, but outside of them, relationships deteriorate. And so we have to start seeing this for what it is, and this is such a telling statement. You're not you when you're hungry, and you start to make some really bad trades. Esau said this. Can you believe he actually said this? What good is the birthright to me? Now, we'll talk about the birthright in a second, but this is what our enemy, Satan, who comes to steal and kill and destroy, this is what he does for all of us. He tries to get us to make a trade. He says, I want you to trade in the immediate for the eternal. Or another way to say it is, I want you to trade in your convictions for your cravings. What feels good in the moment for what ultimately will satisfy. Now, it's Super Bowl weekend, so let's bring some football into this. Ladies, just bear with us for a second, okay? Now, I wanna show you a picture. This is one of the greatest running backs of all time, number 36. Anybody know who this is? Just shout it out to me if you recognize who this is. It's kind of a trick question. Say it a little bit louder. Close, no. Jerome Bettis, Jerome the Bus Bettis. Now, he is wearing the wrong jersey, playing against his future team. And most people don't know this, but the first year of Jerome Bettis' career, he played, he played for the Rams. And he was having a great season, and the Rams were presented with a trade. And they traded one of the greatest running backs of all time for a guy that no one remembers in a few draft picks for the next year's season. Can we all say, not a good trade? Because 20-some-odd years later, 10,000... 500 rushing yards later, a Super Bowl trophy later, a Hall of Fame induction later, I think we know who got the better end of that deal. But this is what happens in our relationship with God sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes we don't see what we have right in front of us and we start to make these trades that are so unfair. It puts us in this position where it's almost like you trade the bus for a bust. And we, we give up these things that are so much more eternally significant for these things that in the moment will satisfy us. Let's finish up the story. It's Genesis 25, 34. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. Listen to this. So Esau despised his birthright. In, in, in Christian uh, theology and in church, you'll hear us say this all the time, that God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and who? And Jacob. Do you know it was never supposed to be that way? As a matter of fact, it was supposed to be the God of Abraham and Isaac and Esau. And if I could give a title to this little mini message today, since it's Super Bowl weekend, you know what I'm gonna call this message? Super Bowl of beans. Because, follow me, because lentils are just beans. And I've had some good beans in my day, but I don't know if any of them were worth my birthright. And it must have been a Super Bowl of beans to get him to trade in this thing that mattered most for this thing that in the moment promise to satisfy. And so I just wanna ask you today, what's your bowl of beans? What's that thing in front of you that looks good and it sounds good in the moment, but it's not a fair trade? And it's actually gonna rob from you ultimately what God has planned. Now, I want you to know this as we round third and head home here. Did you know that if you are a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean you're perfect, but if you have decided I am a Christ follower, I'm a Christian. Did you know that you were reborn into his kingdom with birthrights? You actually get an inheritance. I wanna read this to you. This is Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's my prayer for every person here today. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious what? Inheritance in his holy people. You were born with a birthright. And can I just tell you something? Your birthright is better than your bowl of beans. Can I just get real specific today? Let me just talk to all the single ladies for a second. Maybe your bowl of beans is that guy and he wants to Netflix and chill. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but I'm gonna say it and sound old. And every time that bowl of beans tries to whisper sweet nothings in your ear, what you need to start seeing is this isn't worth it. And you need to push them away and you need to say, uh-uh, beans, give me gas anyway. Get out of the picture. I ain't going there. Because your birthright is better because there's a better relationship, and if you can elevate your relationship with God to the place that it belongs, then the right guy will come anyways. And if you could say, I'm not, I'm not looking for the one, I'm just trying to become the one, and when I look to my right or to my left someday, I'm gonna find someone else, that, someone else that's on the same path, and we'll follow Jesus together. Maybe your bowl of beans is, let's just get real, maybe it's looking at images you're not proud of. 
on your phone, on your computer. Man, that's not even real beans though, right? That's like jelly beans. Like we gotta, sometimes we gotta see, we've gotta see the bowl of beans for what it is because a bowl of beans isn't worth our birthright. I'm gonna end with this final thought. I think the way that all of us can stop caving to our cravings and start seeing who we are is to get a clear picture of our birthright and see how much better it is. And I think most of us fall victim and fall prey to this thing that I like to call, you'll never forget this, the Esau seesaw. Now, a seesaw is interesting because embedded in the name is what it actually does. When you're up high, you see it. And when you're down low, you saw it. And then you see it and you saw it. Bring yourself back to the playground. See it, saw it, see, saw. And could it be, could it be, I'm just submitting an idea to you. Could it be that when the highs of life are happening and and Waymaker is playing and the goosebumps are on our arm and everything is going good with our lives, could it be that we can see the glorious inheritance, but when the lows come and the pain happens and the stuff gets taken from us and all the hard stuff, sometimes it's harder to see in those moments and we just go back and forth and up and down. I see it, I saw it. And I just wanna tell you the best way to see your birthright is to know how good it is because I could tell you all day long, stop doing this or stop doing that. But here's my favorite scripture. I'll leave you with this. It's Psalm 34, eight. I love this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And I wrote it this way. When you start tasting the right things, you lose your appetite for the wrong ones. And so when you begin to get a picture of how good God is, it makes it so much easier to push the bowl of beans away and to start to live out your birthright. Hey, y'all have been amazing. Uh, Matt is gonna be up in just a second, make some noise for him. But before that, let's take a look at this last commercial. Grandpa? Welcome home. Come on, I've got something for you. What are you waiting for? You're one lucky man. I was worried about you for a minute. What's up, Boardman BC? Hey, so I am here straight out of the motherland tonight from Warren. I am excited to be with you guys. Joe asked me if I wanted to do this. I said, absolutely. I would love to. But I feel like I'm at a real disadvantage here. You guys know them. You guys don't know me too well. So I feel like 10 minutes, man, that is a hard task to fill there. So first of all, let me ask you this. Do we have any Steelers fans in here? I'm obviously a Browns fan. All right, here's the deal. If you're a Steelers fan, you do not get past that social bubble of space with me, okay? You are restricted to that public bubble. I was laughing when Aaron was talking about that because my six-year-old was just telling my four-year-old the other day about this two-foot bubble of space that he has around them and that you cannot go past that two-foot bubble of space. So I thought that was funny that Aaron talked about that tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. And, you know, I've been at BC for like 18 years now, and it is crazy how fast time flies. Uh, I turned 40 this year and can't believe it. I feel like I'm get, getting old. I'm over the hill now, but I still feel young at heart. And here's what I've learned over the years, over my, my 40 years. One truth that God has made very real to me is the fact that God has created us to live purposed, filled lives. And I think it's easy just to fall into the trap of just living a frustrated, just a really unfulfilled life sometimes if we never discover our purpose in life. You know, they say the two most important days 
of your life is number one, the day that you're born. And then the second most important day of your life is the day that you discover why. And I think the reason for that is, is because that feeling of, of purpose, it's just so vitally important just to live in like a joyful existence and, and being happy in life. You know, when we have purpose, it gives our life meaning and it gives us a reason just to push forward every single day when we have purpose in our life. And I think so often, Christians, you know, we can look at eternity just like the guy in that video did. We look at eternity like it's the someday moment that we're striving for. Like, man, someday I'll have joy in my life or sometime, someday I'll have, I'll have peace or, or happiness or I'll have purpose in my life someday. But here's the reality. God wants us to experience heaven here on earth now. God wants that someday to be today. And here's the one thing that I want you guys to get out of what I'm talking about today. This one thought right here, and that's that we find our purpose in his passion. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I want to talk about just uh, a parable that Jesus shared. He's having like this conversation with some of his disciples, and there's some other people around because Jesus, there's a young kid walking by. Jesus grabs him by the hand, brings him over in this circle with his disciples, and it says he sets him up on his lap. And he just starts to tell all these different parables and stories. And then he gets to this one parable and he asks his disciples this question. He said, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them wanders, what will he do? So I can just imagine Jesus asks that question. If a man has 100 sheep and one wanders, what will he do? And all his disciples are just kind of looking at each other like it's a trick question or something like that. And Jesus says, he goes after that one. He says, I'll leave the 99 to go get that one. And he says, it's his, he says, it's my father's will that not one soul shall perish. So God you know, I said, we find our purpose in his passion. Well, God's passion is people, right? So we find our purpose when we're serving other people. And that brings me to my, my main point here, and that's it. When we make God's passion our purpose, we'll experience heaven here on earth. I want to share this scripture with you guys. This is Matthew 16, 24 through 25. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And when you think about that, what Jesus is really saying, he's saying, when we forget about our business, in other words, we deny ourselves and we make ourselves about God's business, or you could say, take up your cross, like Jesus said, then we're going to find true life. We're going to find purpose in our life, and we'll experience heaven here on earth. I was just thinking about kind of my story a little bit, how I got involved at BC, and God delivered me out of so much, so much stuff. And, um, you know, when I started going to BC, I got hooked up, I got involved, and I'm so thankful for the people that I had in my life, like, like Joe and other people that held me accountable and, you know, kept me getting involved. And I look back and man, I got involved in so many different things just because I needed to keep myself accountable. I helped in our student ministry, um, senior high, I helped in junior high. I ushered for a while. I did prison ministry. I did a lot of different things, but I was thinking about it. An absolute worst thing that I ever did. Some of you guys might love this kind of stuff, but it was something we did called evangelism explosion. And what it was, it was going door to door with another person, just knocking on people people's people's doors, just witnessing to them. And it was absolutely terrifying for me. But man, I put on a happy face and I acted like I loved it. And you guys are just should be thankful that we don't do that today. And we, we, we win souls through our church services, but did a lot of different things at BC. And I had no idea like how that decision was going to affect my life all these years later. I went into it kind of with the attitude like, all right, I've got some stuff to offer. I'm going to go ahead and just serve and they could use my help here, which that's true. We could use your help. But what I discovered is what changed my life. Like I received so much more from serving that I ever could have given serving. So when you serve, you know, I've heard it said before, we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving other people. What did Jesus say? He said, I came to this earth not to, not to be served, but to serve others. So 
you know, when we know that God's passion is people, and when we make our purpose his, or when we make our passion all about his purpose, and uh, we serve others, it just kind of raises this question right here, you know, and that's, how can I serve others with a unique set of gifts that God has given to me? So that's our job right there. We need to figure out how we can serve other people through the gifts and through the talents that God's given us. And, um, you know, here's our heart at BC. One of the parts of my job that I love doing, I get to host Growth Track every weekend here. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about Growth Track, we always say it's about helping you discover your design. We want to help you guys discover your purpose. So I'm going to plug Growth Track a little bit here. I know a lot of you guys have been through Growth Track, but if you haven't been through Growth Track, and even if you've been at BC for a long time, I would highly encourage you to go through Growth Track. Growth Track is absolutely awesome. They're going to help you discover your purpose through Growth Track. You know, week two, it's actually dedicated to that very thing. We sit down, we do a personality profile, we do a spiritual gift test, we help you see how God has equipped you to serve his people. And that's where we find our purpose in life through serving other people. And here's the other thing that we do at BC. We have connect groups and they're starting this week actually. You know, I look back on my life and you know, part of the reason why I'm where I'm at today is because the people that I was able to surround myself with, we always say, you know, we are better together and people will help you discover your purpose. And that's what connect groups are all about. Just connecting with people and, and um, doing life with other people. So I'm going to get ready to close here. Here's my challenge though. I know many of you guys, you are putting your hand to the plow already. You are volunteering. You are serving on a weekly basis. And that is absolutely awesome. And I commend you for that. But some of you might have it on your heart. You want to get involved. So I would encourage you, get hooked up, go through growth track, become a part of our dream team here at BC. And if you're already serving, just ask God, man, how can I invest in people's lives at a whole nother level where I can help them discover their purpose? You know, I may have discovered my purpose already and I feel like it's a good fit for me. Man, God, how can I help other people discover their purpose? Because that's what it's all about. We're most effective and, and we feel the most blessed when we are serving other people just like Jesus was. So what you guys a dream over this next week here. Man, what would it look like if you discovered your purpose? If you could figure out, man, why did God put me on this earth? How would that change your life? How would that change your, affect your marriage? How would that affect just your, how you perform on the job? I think if we could get a hold of that truth right there, it would absolutely change us from the inside out. So guys, that is all I got here. Joe, he's gonna come back up here and he is gonna do the altar call, but thank you guys for letting me talk with you today. So good. Well, hey, I'm going to just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And um, man, aside from the amazing fun that we get to have doing something a little different today, um, I can tell you that the reason that we gather and, and the reason that we come together as a church is so we can help people to know God and find freedom and then discover their purpose and make a difference. And none of those things can happen if the first doesn't happen. We have to know God. And God, he is, he is a close talker. As a matter of fact, it just it reminds me of this expression. Sometimes God can even feel like he's too close for comfort. And, and there's this dichotomy, this paradox when it comes to a relationship with God because he comforts us in our affliction, but he also afflicts us in our comfort. And there's something about how a relationship with God pulls you out of your comfort zone. And so I just wanna, I wanna invite you to make the most important decision you will ever make. And this week was such a powerful example of how quick life can be. Um, last Sunday, uh, our, our drummer, his, his mom went suddenly to be with the Lord and she knew Jesus, but it was a tough moment. And it, she, was, she was young, she had more life to live. And, Literally that same afternoon, we, we got the word about Kobe Bryant. And I don't say that to play on your emotions, but the whole week, all I could think was, this was a guy that was as strong as could be. And he had so much talent, so many things that the world would say are important. And in a moment, it's gone. And it's heartbreaking. His daughter and all the people that were on that plane, the, the helicopter. 
I just, I wanna ask you the most important question anybody can ever ask you. Because someday I really do believe that when this life is over, that this life continues, just like Pastor Joe said, you only live twice. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. In our heart here at BC is that you would be able to confidently say that one day, God forbid, when that happens, a long time from now, I know exactly where I'm headed. And Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came to an earth that said, hey, there's all kinds of different ways to the Father in heaven. Uh, That's what they would say. There's all kinds of different ways to eternity. And Jesus flipped that on his head and he said, no, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. I'm the gate. I'm the door. And he made it so simple. He didn't say if your good works outweigh your bad, you can go to heaven. He didn't say if you're baptized or if your church attendance is good, you can go to heaven. Those are all great things, but none of them inherently will save you. The only way that we're saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not perfection because he was perfect for us. He hung on a cross and took the punishment for our sin in our place so we wouldn't have to. He loved you that much. I believe he loved you so much that he would have done it for you if you were the only person on planet earth. So he makes it so simple. He says, believe in your heart, say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. And it's the first step of the rest of forever. And the goal, like Matt said, is not just to get you to heaven, but it's to get heaven to your here and now. So if that's you, and I wanna give two categories very quickly. If you say, I prayed that prayer a long time ago, but I have been far from God. Maybe distance and shame, like Aaron said, have kept me away whatever it might be. Or if you say, Joe, I can't remember a moment in my life where I put Jesus in the driver's seat. I can't remember a day in my life where I said, Jesus, you take the will. You, you have control of my life. I'm not going to be perfect, but every day I want you to help me grow in a relationship with you. If, if you're in either of those categories, the rest of the church is going to pray with us. Can you repeat this after me? And I believe a miracle will happen and it'll change you from the inside out. Say this with me. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he loved me enough to see me in my brokenness at my worst when I was running in the opposite direction and he ran towards me and he gave his life so I could have life. So right now, I give my life back to you. I won't be perfect. I'll make a lot of mistakes, but every day I'm gonna grow and I'll follow you with everything I've got. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.